0: This is Trackside with Kirk Cavan and Kevin Lee. Hunter Ray still
1: somewhat within reach, but one more turn to go, and Simon Pagino is back on the main straightaway.
0: The checkered flag waits on the starter stand for Simon Pagino, and he crosses the line. Simon Pagino has taken the win, followed by Ryan Hunter Ray. A hat-trick six, Long Beach, Barber, now the Indianapolis Grand Prix. The winner, Simon Pagino here in 2016. For the second time, Will Power will go to Victory Lane here at the Grand Prix of Indianapolis. Twin checkers out, your winner, the 2017 Grand Prix of Indy, Will Power. They're getting hard on the brakes for the corner. Dixon swings a little wide. Pagino will show him a wheel. They'll bang wheels. They're side-by-side through turn eight, through turn nine.
1: is taking the lead in indianapolis
0: with a little over a lap and a half to go he comes off the final turn for the final time he will see the twin checkers that is as hard as he ever fought to win a race simon pagino goes to victory lane for the third time in his career here at the indycar Grand Prix. scott dixon is second jack harvey is third the graduate of the Road to Indy. He won the 2018 Indy Pro 2000 Championship on races at all three levels of the Road to Indy. 2020 NTT IndyCar Series Rookie of the Year. Twin checkers out, and he is a winner at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Congratulations to Renas VK. He wins the GMR Grand Prix.
1: And we have reached race weekend at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. It's on the GMR Grand Prix coming up Saturday afternoon here on 93.5, 107.5 The Fan, and on NBC. Coverage beginning at 3 o'clock, really at 2 o'clock, with a special on the four-time Winners Club on NBC, its debut, Green Flag at 3.45, IndyCar practice gets started tomorrow, Road to Indy was on track today a pair of indy lights races this weekend and it's all part of the month of may with the indianapolis 500 and practice beginning on tuesday welcome thanks for joining us kevin lee kurt cavin sam Rumpsa, in our indianapolis studios twitter questions are welcome at kevin lee 23 at kurt cavin a couple of guests not even plausibly live because it's not going to sound live because i think there
2: are race cars in the background but kurt who did you chat with today on tape we'll be hearing in a few minutes? Well, we got we got Juan Montoya, who I think is always, you know, just interesting to talk to. Did we talk about this last night or or, or not? But I think he would make a really good analyst or at least somebody to have, like, as a guest host on the— No, I said um, that on the air last night, yeah. Was that—I I couldn't remember where that conversation happened. But, you know, he walks up today, and, and we're standing there, and I said— you know, I just start the tape recorder and, and well, I say the tape recorder, it was on my phone. How's that? Uh, and, and, you know, next thing, you know, seven minutes are up and we still had more things to talk about. And he was, you know, he's just Gabby. And the same thing kind of happened when we, when we uh, had the open test. I mean, I just kind of walked up and said, how's it going? And he, he had a big smile. He was happy. And, you know, it's just, he's, he's such an insightful guy. He has such perspective on things you know, and he's not afraid to, to, to give you a real honest answer. Uh, I said something to him at the end of this uh, segment, which you'll hear coming up at, after the next break. And I asked him, I said, hey, you know, Elio's starting to pull away here. He's got four of these things now. You got, you're got you stuck on two. Let's, you know, what gives? Let's go. And he said, hey, he's run 20-plus times here. I've only run six. <laughs> Just perfectly timed, perfectly as if he was he was ready for that one. And uh, that's just the way he is. And he's as blunt and they're pals. So don't take that the wrong way, but, uh, it was just really good. And then to watch him interact, you know, he's such the, uh, the elder statesman in the, in the paddock to watch him interact with Pato award and, and Felix Rosenquist has really been refreshing. You know, last year, I think, you know, they were learning each other to some degree. And, and I think, uh, I think their friendship, especially with Pato is, is pretty genuine. And, uh, and Montoya making, making games with, uh, with the interviews while Pato is trying to actually answer questions. And so that, that was really fun. I, somebody asked me uh, also, you know, about you kind of talked, touched on it last night, but I was asked again today about the difference between when Montoya came here early on in his career. And then, and then today, you know, what is he like and how much different is he? First of all, he's, He's practically gray. I mean, he's not as gray as I am, but uh, he's got a lot of salt and pepper in that. And he just looks, he just looks older than everybody else. You know, Elio still looks the part. He still looks like a young race car driver. Uh, Kanan, you know, with his, with his bald head, he still kind of looks like a young guy, even though you get up close, you can tell he's, he's pushing the 50 mark, you know, upper forties. And, uh, Oh, come on. Well, doesn't look old. He doesn't look I'm old, not but you allow can allow that but you can tell <laughs> okay. the difference between the young guys when Pelot comes walking up or, or VK or, or Pato or Colton. So it, there there's a difference. You know, you get what I'm saying. And, uh, so yeah. anyway, Montoya was great today. Uh, had a chance to talk to Pagno as, as you did, that'll be coming up in the second part of, of the interviews we had, got some stuff from Pato award, uh, saw Elio, uh, good stuff with Elio today, getting, um, uh, First of all, seeing the the uh, program with his face on the cover, I heard somebody say, and mm-hmm. I guess it was in the, uh, were you were you on site for that, for the unveiling? Yeah, I, of went, the I went out sign? and watched it. So yeah. I thought I heard Doug Bowles say it's the first time that a reigning Indy 500 champion has had his, his photograph on the cover of the program. I hadn't thought about that, uh, but, you know, if that's true, really an interesting thing, and and we talked about this
1: because they normally get the ticket, right? So maybe it hasn't been.
2: Well, it's not just the, the ticket. There, there's all kinds of. Uh, and that's not really the ticket. It's there's all kinds of displays. Uh, last year it was the drawings that of the race cars of the three three four time winners by Johnny Rutherford had drawn uh, the race cars mm-hmm. that Foyt, Unser, and Mears had. That's right, uh, had I forgot raced that Jr.
1: In. drove the drug. Yeah
2: you know and there's there's some uh, there's some some other really good program covers over the years but you know a lot of them have been artsy and and this one was Elio right up close with holding the number 4 in his his hand with with rings on each finger and uh, so that that's really cool and, and Elio was really moved by that and and then he, and before that he had unveiled the street sign many of the people including myself had to think we're 4th street They named uh, 4th Street, which is (laughs) it's it's kind of on the west side of the museum. And it, it really doesn't go anywhere. It kind of if you were to take it, it would end up at the south end of of what used to be known as Tower Terrace and or at least pit out. And so that's where that road goes. And so that's 4th Street. And then up by the media center is 5th Street. And then north of that, even is 6th Street. Those come from from the town of Speedway. But. 4th Street starts at the museum, in front of the museum, kind of bends around the corner. And uh, anyway, that's where Elio's street sign not only hangs now, but will continue to hang, I guess, in the future. So very cool on that. So big day for Elio. And uh, it just kind of felt like we were ready to start racing.
1: And he did say there will be no speed limit on now Castro Nevés. Drive. drive yeah Castor and that was one of his questions is it going to be boulevard is it going to be street and he was excited that it was drive uh when it was unveiled uh so that that was cool and he was a little bit emotional when he saw the picture on on the uh the cover of the program uh just i think he, it kind of hits you of, of where you're at you know you're at a point and so i had hoped to kind of chat with him there but there was one, he was limited on time and there was just a lot of local television. Media. So I went back to his garage uh, an hour or so later and talked with him for, for 10 or 15 minutes. And one of the things I, I wanted to get into him with, and he wouldn't really get too deep on it, but th- did you think you would ever be full time again? And it was. Well, I knew I could do it. You know, I, I wouldn't try to do it. No, that wasn't the question. I, I knew you could do it, too. I've been your biggest cheerleader for the last five years, saying the series needed to have you, but were you ever resigned to the fact that it wouldn't happen? And it was basically, well, but it did. And I went out and won the Indy 500, and that's what made it happen. But I, I do think in reality it was getting to the point where, oh, this may not be able to happen. And he did say um, he's out of contract after this year. But he's already started the discussions and wants to continue driving full-time next year. And I don't know if you were watching Peacock uh, during the 13 or 14 hours, but when I was talking to Kanan one of those days, he was saying, I want to do the Indy 500 next year. And Elio and I came in together, and I'm already talking to Elio that we'll go out together next year with a grand finale. And I pushed back at TK, and I said, there's no way Elio is ready to quit after just one more year, maybe it happens that way, but he's not going to commit to that. Alio today was the first chance I really had had time. He said, Oh, no way. There's no way I'm only doing one more year. You know, oftentimes we all understand someone else makes that decision, but in his mind, he's going to be doing this for, and he's certainly going to be doing the Indy 500 for a while. And then I said, "Canon's not quitting after one more year either. You know, he's had his farewell tour four years in a row now, I said, you guys are like the Rolling Stones with your farewell tours. Keep coming back, uh, and that's good for business. So, yeah, I don't think either one of them are going away if they have a chance to drive.
2: Yeah, I don't. I don't know if if Elio gets another full season contract. Um, I look through really? the through the mm. lineup. Well, I guess it would. You know, if it's going, let's put it this way: I don't know that he gets another one unless it's with Meyer Shank Racing. I don't know where else he goes uh, unless somebody just, you know, they want to have him for the Indy 500 and they make that commitment. But
1: at least I I don't know that there's anywhere else to go. There's just not going to be a lot of open seats that are hired drives. So I I can can change because I thought we both kind of settled on last week that if Elliot wants to drive, it's going to make commercial sense for someone, even if he's not, a championship contender, uh, or a race-winning contender the rest of the season, he's still, he's still good for business. And if, if you're trying to do a commercial program, I am hard-pressed to find out in a one-year program who's available and who's better for you than Elio Castroneves, all things considered for the entire season, which does include a race called the Indianapolis 500.
2: So again, let uh, let me preface that outside of Meyer shank racing. I, I don't see another one outside of Meyer shank racing. Now, maybe that exists somewhere, but I, I don't know where it's at. I can't, I can't formulate I think that.
0: Right.
2: It, look, and I've talked myself, you know, I, I believe that Elio would be around again, uh, in 2023 full time because of the reasons you just stated, um, but something about the comments that have been made over the last couple weeks—just kind of weeks, uh, just subtle comments—led me to believe it just wasn't a sure thing that he would be at Meyer Shank Racing in in 2023. But anyway, I, I sure hope mm. so, and I would expect—I um, would expect you know a full season next year because I think it makes great sense to partner him with, with Pagano, And I think they'll make a lot of progress as the season goes. And, you know, I think Ellie is going to run well in this 500 and you're right. Just good for business. He continues to be the most popular driver in the sport. He's great with sponsors. I'm not saying he'll do anything, but he really will. I mean, he, and he comes with the same enthusiasm in every event. You, you see him in the winter time and he shows up with his, with his stocking cap and his heavy coat, but he's there and he's ready to go. And, and, you know, just all those things that, uh, you think, you know, about Elio, they're all true. And I've said that on many occasions. So yeah, he's really good for business. And I think whatever happens, he's going to be in the Indy 500. Uh, I think he'll be there till he's 50. I think he'll be there that long in this race because he's still, he's still competitive and he's still, you know, ready to meet the challenge. You know, I think you'll hear it. I asked the question of Montoya today, and boy, you know, and we kind of referred to this the other day, but Montoya sort of had to be talked back into this just a little bit. It wasn't like he was lining up, raising his hand, saying, "Where can where can someone put me?" Zach Brown called him and said, "You know, do you want to run the five hundred? Sure, yeah, yeah, I think so, yeah, I do." And um uh, do you want to run the GMR Grand Prix? No, not, not really. And and then you can hear his answer about how he got signed up for the GMR Grand Prix. But, but I think LA I will O's be interested in hearing
1: that because that was not a pleasant experience for him last year. The, the, the car was just not
2: to his liking. It was difficult. So I asked him about it, and I asked him about, well, then why did you come back to do it? And his answer is pretty good. Uh, okay. So... As is usual with Juan. You you usually don't have to beat around the bush with Juan. He, he's going to tell you how he feels. So anyway, that was good. And, and I think Ella will be back, uh, back at the 500 for years to come. There are no bleeps
1: given with Juan Pablo Montoya. He's going to tell you what he thinks. He's not worried about fallout or getting in trouble or anything else. He's going to say what he thinks. So people are going to be asking, Wait a minute. What have you heard in the last two weeks that we would change your mind on Elio? Because I've not seen this. Is this just a paddock conversation? Because it's not been any kind of well, published conversation, has it? Or have I missed something?
2: No, I think it's it's kind of the way I've heard Elio answer the question about you know ch- you know talking to people. You know why would why would he be out talking to other people? You know or. It, or anyone,
1: he he did he did not tell me that he he said I'm talking to them. I took it to mean he's talking to this team about this. Now has he said that to other people? If he has, I've not no, seen that. Uh,
2: and and again with Elio, I guess I might say again, but I've said it on this show tonight. But with Elio, sometimes you know his English is choppy, and sometimes we'll you know skip a couple words. And when he said he's talking to them, that that's the word that that I didn't hear in the conversation. So the point is, if it's not Meyer shank and again, if he's he's out talking about deals, uh, I hope he's with Meyer shank and, and that's the only place I can see him. That's my point. Okay. Uh, I took from our conversation, I didn't get the feeling
1: that he's talking to anybody else, but I wasn't really prying about that. I wasn't going to get into his future uh, on our broadcast this weekend. We'll do that at another time. But it would seem logical if he goes to Mike and asks, what do you want to do for next year? And if there's any hesitance at all, then he is going to start talking to other people. That's just the way it is. One, you need some leverage and two, you want to have a backup plan because as we've discussed, seats are going to be gone a lot earlier than normal. Um, here's another one today that, uh, that I don't think made of your Pagino uh, tape. So, Nathan Brown was uh, was talking to Simon first, and then you and I walked up, uh, just kind of a bullpen area. And Simon mentioned something about, you know, a few years ago in 2019, everyone thought that I had to win the race to save my job. And I will admit, I'm kind of in that camp, and that's what the scuttlebutt was at the time. There were a lot of people that thought, I'm not going to say he had to win the race to save his job. I just felt like it was a little bit in question and winning the race ended that question that had he not won the race, had he not won the GP, had it not gone well in the second half of the season? eh? I don't know. But when you win that race, the GP, and then you win the Indy 500, it was no, it's all done. And I think was that one of the years when Roger even said in the post-race press conference, no, Simon's not going anywhere. Uh, And that was kind of the first confirmation we got of that because I think the public comments had been a little bit lukewarm. Maybe I'm mistaking that from Willpower from the year before because it was no, it it was on Simon. Yes,
2: you remember it was. It was on Simon, and he even said to us in this conversation you're referencing with with Nathan Brown. uh, Look, I had a terrible start to the year that year, and you know things were things weren't going well. Now that doesn't mean he was out of a job. The pace. And I think he's right. He was saying we had bad luck in qualifying.
1: And I do recall that being correct that, you know, red flags came out the wrong way and they were starting 14th, 15th in a lot of these races. But, you know, it is a results business. And I just remember, you know, because there was always the question uh, Penske, as we are seeing again this year, prefers being a three car team. That's been publicly stated by them. They will do four cars if it's required, if there are special circumstances. So, that was a a time when, wow, if all four cars are not going great, they might just downsize at some point. So, it'd be in everyone's best interest to keep going well. So, But but he disputes that. He says he was not uh, concerned. Would he be fully honest with us? I don't know. He probably would at this point. He has no reason to be disingenuous about that three years later, especially that he's with another team. But... This may be simply a case where perception and the geniuses like us that think we know what's going on, we honestly don't know what's going on. We just have a little bit of a clue. Now, that's his opinion. It still might be true that Roger Penske and Tim Sendrick were not necessarily going to bring him back. So when he says, I, I, I wasn't worried about that. Is probably the right mindset for a racing driver, that you just need to continue with the job but the reality still could be that you know, they might have made a change if it didn't start going in the right
2: direction. But I, I just found that interesting. I, I did too, and and I think uh, I would lean toward where we were thinking at that time that you know it, it pretty well needed to get done because he could have said, see, my inclination is that Team Penske was working further ahead and, and usually does work further ahead than us talking about free agency in the spring. You know, Roger's usually ahead of that. So, you know, he's either got somebody locked up or he's already told them we're done after next year. Uh, but but I think that, uh, you know, I think we were closer to being right. And, and he wasn't being disingenuous, but I think they were at least considering it.
1: And he was probably telling us his mindset. And my mindset was I wasn't thinking about that. I was thinking about the task at hand, which is one of the ways that he was able to get out of a a rough start. Uh, I just looked it up. Started 13th at St. Pete that year, two red flags in round one of qualifying. See, there's where these these race-by-race notes that I've been keeping since I I moved to a digital format rather than scribbling things down on my notepad. And I can go back sometimes three years – Back and look up a race. Qualified 13th at St. Pete because of two red flags. Car was great. Finished 7th. Circuit of the Americas. Started 22nd. Red in quals right before his fast lap. Again, tried a four-stop strategy. Didn't work. Started 14th at Barber. I don't have a note there, so I don't know if he was... Uh, disadvantaged by the red flag or not. Then qualified fifth, finished sixth at Long Beach, one from eighth at the Indy Grand Prix, one from pole at the Indianapolis 500, and you are off and running for the rest of the year and didn't actually have a fantastic rest of the year, but you won the Indy 500, and he still won one more race after that, and job done. The other thing I asked after you finished your interview, and I asked this of a few people, does momentum carry over to the Indy 500? We like to act like it does, but is that just a media creation? Are we just trying to promote the Indy 500 and attach it to this event? I want real answers. And the two people that I asked specifically were Marcus Erickson, who's not won either race before, and Simon Pagino, and I'll ask some others uh, over the weekend as well. And both, I didn't try to lead them into it, and both were adamant. Oh, yes. And I said, how does that, how can that be? You're going the other direction it's a different race you're pitting from the other side of the car and he said you know really i think it's probably just confidence and to both of them i said you're race winners and in simon's case you're a champion you shouldn't need confidence but he said yeah but it's just still sure helps and when you're going the right way when things are clicking even if it's a totally different type of format a different type of car it matters, and it's not coincidence that people who have done well starting the month continue. And then another question I ask is, does this feel like its own separate event, or has the Indy 500 started? And it was no. The Indy 500 has started. We are running on a road course, very different. Engineering and data does not apply, but we are now in Indy 500 mode. We're just spending the first few days doing it a little bit differently. But the momentum for the
2: 500 starts now. I would agree with all of that. Actually, I would have anticipated that would have been their answer. Having said that, because there's so much practice time at Indianapolis and teams every year, there's one or two cars that go astray, whether they've crashed a car, whether they've had a couple days where they can't can't find themselves speed-wise and they're struggling, you can get out of momentum pretty quickly at Indianapolis that's the only thing i would say and i think i think a pagino yeah. is probably capable of, of working out of it quicker than others because he's done it but you think about the number of and honestly this is why it made polo so spectacular last year you know he he didn't have the best week of practice and then but but normally you've got one or two cars that started the month and you thought, well, this car is going to be pretty good. And then either it's a crash or a couple bad days deep in the speed chart, and you can get lost in a hurry at Indy. And this weekend
1: can apply for, especially some of the smaller teams. If they were to have a crash and it sets them back a little bit, what if you have a crash? I don't know. Is there anybody that has a, a speed? I don't think there's anybody that has a speedway car that would convert it back to road course. If they destroyed this car, I think they would just simply say, eh, we're sitting out the rest of this weekend. If that's the case, most of them still probably have a backup tub that they could use for the road course race, or they would just say we're done for the weekend. Um, so maybe that doesn't totally apply, but you're right. When you, if you crash on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, whatever, sometimes you just don't catch up. And that's why we've always talked about, you know, those teams that are bubble type teams when they're 35 or 36, more often than not, of the six or seven teams that are in peril, at least three of them have had a crash because yeah. it just sets you back, and the car is not the same. car is not the same as it was before after you crashed it. Uh, I want to mention, so I think, yeah, Andy Andy Merrick at and Merrick Speed posted this today. So take a look at his Twitter. We got some different looks for the weekend. So if you are not flipping on until race time on Saturday afternoon, it'll it'll take you a little while good luck to the booth guys and and actually it does apply to us so if when you hear us occasionally when i'm doing a report the, the idea is that we're always keeping an eye on our little monitor so that if a pass for the lead happens we can reference it and when you just hear one of us shut up and say back to the booth it's because we can't figure out which car it is because the sun usually takes away the colors from the car and it's really hard to id them out in the sun on pit lane and i am not looking forward to distinguishing the difference between the Renus vk and romain grosjean cars who are both sort of a sherbert orange type of color yes i know grosjean has more white on the rear side of the car but when they're coming at you uh that's a little bit hard to see so those cars are looking different this weekend The Scott McLaughlin and Juan Pablo Montoya cars look pretty much identical (laughs) with a red and black snap-on for McLaughlin, Montoya, uh, Lucas Oil. They're not exactly the same, but again, going 180 miles per hour in a 13-inch screen in the sun or even sitting on your couch at home, those are going to be challenging. And then Will Power's car is not all that much different. Just the red goes a little bit further back on the side Part of his car than it does on McLaughlin's car. Uh, Alex Pelot's car is an American Legion look with a gray and blue this weekend. Going to be very similar to Graham Rahal's car with Fifth Third Bank that is gray and blue this weekend. So those are the ones that I think are going to look the most similar, and I think those are the changes. Those are the special liveries for this weekend. I saw Will Powers for the 500,
2: Looked a bit unique, had some purple in it, and all kinds of different colors. Yeah, that I, we're going to see. Somebody mentioned that may have been David Land had a had a tweet saying, and I think this is excellent observation. I don't think we've ever seen purple on a Team Penske car. I can't remember a purple uh, appearing anywhere on a Team Penske machine, but. Uh, but, you know, it's one of those things that um, I've said to several of the guys that have worked in the turns you have as well on radio or TV. I don't think it really matters. But if, if you're trying to pick out, you know, especially like Jay Query in turn three, I don't know how you can tell you have to know where somebody was running the lap before, because if you've got mm-hmm. people in you know positions four, five and six and they're dueling and one of them is a. Is a yellow car and one of them is a blue car. You, you better be, you better have your blue and your yellow straightened out. So well, you really can't even see Ford. the colors
1: because they're coming at you, and just the the glare means that you cannot see the colors coming straight at you. And I've so I've been in turns two and four for the Indy five hundred, and it's very difficult in both. And I suspect one and three are harder because yeah. they're coming at you longer. But even in two, because they're too far away to really get a good look at the side going into turn one, so then they're still coming at you, and two, and you've already got it, you're talking, and they don't go sideways and seeing the side until you're down the road. So sometimes you're just tap dancing, trying to find out, and then really what you're depending on is you're hoping the guy in front of you had it right because you're playing – it off of that, and our biggest joke was the year I did the MotoGP race in the rain, where we could see nothing, and I was just praying Jerry Baker was getting it right because, however, whichever way he had him coming towards me is the way I had him going out. And <laughs> even when they were up next to me, uh, you know, that was one where it was deer in the headlights. Uh, none of us really were very competent at IDing all those bikes and those riders. And, you know, I still – people have asked every once in a while, you paused for a couple of seconds, the the Elio and Ryan hunter Ray battle at the end, and, and that's simply because, you know, who, Mark is screaming in turn three, and I'm probably trying to think about what I want to say, and I didn't pay close attention enough or couldn't understand how – because they had passed the last time around. And I had a nightmare at the last second. I got to make sure I have them right in the right order. It was two yellow cars. Yeah, and so I I wanted to wait for a second, hoping they would come because they were a different shade of yellow, and I wanted to know for certain. And I think I got it earlier than I expected, and it just it seemed like an eternity, and it was a second and a half or whatever. But I wanted to wait and make sure that it was Ryan hunter Ray in, in front at that point, and that's kind of the nightmare of that situation. It's uh, why television is is fun because you can just say, here they are, there they go. <laughs> that everybody are, can see it and figure it out. Here yeah, it's there's a red one, there's a blue one, there's a green one. That's a good old Jerry Baker joke too. Is how if you don't know, just just show some color. Show some color. We haven't seen a lot uh, of green I ones. S- yeah, yeah. I've got uh, betting odds here for this this weekend's race. I don't know how much time we need for the next tape segment, so I'm going to get out early, and then we should have some ample time in the final segment to kind of go over that. And I'll check the Twitter inbox for what we have what we missed anything we didn't know coming up for a full day of activity tomorrow for indycar and the road to indy and much more leading up to saturday's gmr grand prix it's race weekend so up next juan pablo montoya and simon Pagano on trackside
3: hi this is simon Pagano, and you're listening to trackside Back on track
2: side with one of the all-time greats, two-time Indianapolis 500 winner Juan Pablo Montoya. Juan, uh, how difficult is it stepping into this Grand Prix? You've not been in a car in a year, you, one of these cars. You're not racing a series on a regular basis. How challenging is it for you?
4: So the oval side was really easy. Um, honestly, I got in the car, and uh, last year when I did it, the car was a handful. So I was like, oh, my God, this is going to be tough and it was a tough month honestly it was a lot of work and it sucked in a lot of ways but the race itself was actually pretty good um but it was it was a great experience you know it was good enough that i came back uh and uh, crazy enough i got in the car and the first run i was like "Ooh, this was good Ooh, i'm comfortable uh, and and it's nice you know what I mean I, I feel really good I feel like my baseline it's a lot better than last year so I'm, I'm pretty happy what about the road course what are the challenges for you <laughs> that's another story because I've, I've raised mainly road courses you know with the prototypes and everything so my braking references are different the feeling of the car is different the brake release is different the power putting the power down is different everything that uh, that you're used to is different the power of the liver is different everything so yeah. You know, last year was a lot of work. We made a lot of changes, and for how little time we had in the car, and we made it a little better. They made more changes from my base for that second race, and, and they were better again as a team. Uh, so I'm hoping the car is not as bad to drive. You know, what I mean, I think I'm—I uh, would assume in qualifying I'm going to struggle to maximize lap time performance because I just haven't done enough laps in the car. But I feel, you know, I told them ideally if you get like, you know, like a caution after 20 or 30 laps, just so I've done enough laps to get, you know, in a row to get comfortable and get a good read on the car then it's a different story but you know last year was hard last year was a green flag racetrack you know race the whole time and and it was difficult it was it was difficult beginning at the end my pace was pretty good but you know, first part of the race was was whew, was wasn't easy.
2: I wouldn't have been surprised if you just said, let's just run Indianapolis the 500. Yeah, I did. he's on street. So how they talk you back?
4: Uh, so they said, don't worry about it. Well, we you know we want to try some new guys. Because, you know, we want to spend three, two three cars. So you know, we're planning to put somebody in the car. So if you don't want to run it, we'll get somebody to run it. La da la da. Okay. And that was it. And when they went to make the announcement, the announcement had both races. Like so, am I doing both races? And they said, Oh, yeah, they haven't told you. No. Oh, okay. Yeah, you are. So <laughs> that's how I got thought into the second race. <laughs> when I talked to you, at if you, if you just write the press release, then they can't say no. I didn't know that. I didn't it was like that. No, no, no. Like it was just like that. The first time I saw I was doing the GP race was the press release.
2: So how how much did you consider? Because I when I talked to you back at the at the open test, that you weren't necessarily thinking you'd come back for the 500. Do you still have that burning desire for the 500?
4: So I didn't think I. Would would to be honest uh when Zach told me I thought oh it'd be fun you know what I mean I think it'd be fun I'm doing I'm doing I was doing more races here this year than there so I'm, I mean I didn't mind coming and I had the F1 race and everything so like the timing of everything was kind of right and um I don't know it was just I just said why not and initially, each of like oh i really just said hey, let's do it and when i did the test i called my wife and i said hey i'm actually pretty happy I'm like you i serious I'm like yeah i'm really enjoying it it's been really good the car has been really good like i feel really comfortable in the car that it's that it's a good problem so Sebastian, your son has really started to
2: make progress in his career. How do you feel as as the dad in the program? How do you how do you advise him? How how does that relationship work?
4: Uh, the dad normally stays at home and doesn't say anything. Uh, and the coach, it's it gives him a lot of hard time. Um, but he, uh, lately, he gives himself such a hard time for little mistakes Good, that I go. You need. I know you want to maximize yourself but well, you cannot beat yourself so hard. Like, yes, you need to beat yourself to do a better job, but, like, the small, you know, mistakes you're making are so small that everybody does as well. So don't, you know I mean, don't panic. You, we want to do perfect, but you're going in the right direction. Can you see him in the Indy 500 uh, in two or three years? We'll see, you know what I mean? It's, uh, we gotta wait and see where, where the career take us, takes us. Um, I th- I honestly, it's like we did a k- kind of as a joke, I told them, man, he could run the road course instead of me, and they go, well, it could be a good idea. I'm going, to no, no, too young. I mean, it, the car is very physical, and if he could go and do tests somewhere, you know, one or two days of testing, and go, okay, I'm comfortable in the car, come and do the race, I would go, yeah, but just to throw him in the race with no practice, no. Yeah, I mean, he, he probably still do a better job than me, but... <laughs> <laughs> you referenced uh, Juan Pablo Montoya
2: joins us. You referenced the uh, Indy 500 last year, and I know that building up to the race itself was a struggle, but you finished ninth. You looked pretty competitive. Did you yeah. feel
4: competitive? I mean, I, I was running with Simon, and we just had a bad stop at the end. I came out of pits, I think, P5 or 6, right? But I came from being running with the lead pack we lose like three or four seconds. And I was by myself, and the car was really... Losing clean air, and I told him, Where am I? You know, where are we run out with P6? You know, P7 is like five seconds behind you. And I go, Okay, how many more laps? 10 laps to go. I'm going to, I don't think I hang on for 10 more laps. And how loose it is. So I really genuinely backed off the way I looked at it. I'd rather back off just in case we get a caution and we put tires on and have a good stop or something than risk, you know, I mean, than risk the car to finish six. for me, you know, I I've finished up five a few times and everything, and to finish six or nine, same freaking day. Hey, El- Elio's kind of getting
2: away from everybody with four wins now. You, this, you're stuck on two. Come on, brother. Get get
4: moving. You've got to have another one at least. Yeah, honestly, I've... Uh... I'm pretty happy about this year. I feel pretty comfortable. You know how the races go. You, everything needs to go your way, and you need to make the right decisions. And, you know, he's done it 20-something times. I've done it, I think, like six times. So it's not bad.
2: <laughs> it's not bad. All right, good to see you, Juan. Uh, have a good month. Thank you. We bring in Simon Pagano for a couple minutes here. Uh, you've got – do you have a special feeling when you get to this place where you've been so good, and win in the Indy 500, three – Three of these wins on the road course. Do you have a, st- a special step and enthusiasm, maybe that maybe other guys don't have?
3: I do, uh, and I love the month of May. You know, <laughs> a lot of things happen in my life in the month of May. Uh, my son was born in the month of May. I was born in the month of May. Uh, I've had a lot of great things happen here. So obviously, the excitement, natural excitement, is uh, is high. Um, I love my group. I love my team. I enjoy uh, working with Mike Shank so so much. Uh, when he talks to me on the radio. And Garrett, my engineer also, As somebody I'm, I'm getting to know every day, and, and every day we're clicking even more. So, so um, I just can't wait to unlock that potential and, and show, show the world uh, how hard we're working in the background. When I talked to you during the open test, you were
2: really seemed to me when I listened back to the tape kind of tempering expectations a little bit. Maybe guys like me and, and others who have been around getting too excited about your program too quickly. Is that is that been maybe a, a point of
3: emphasis for you over the last couple of months? Uh, yes, I think so. I think there's is, is a need for a transition. Um, and I am someone that when I have gone through transitions, taken a little bit of time. Uh, some drivers will just jump in and go and things work out for them. But like we just talked about it, sometimes Lady Luck, uh, works away and and makes you suffer a little bit before it's really sweet uh it's been like that for me my whole life and and that's okay um because i know when when things get in order it's going to get really good but um got to be patient and trust the process this is your third different team to run with in this grand prix do you take the
2: same approach and 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 try to help the team get to you or are you trying to
3: follow them it's been a bit of both Uh, you know the car has been really nice to drive, really, uh, really cl- close to what I wanted to be. So I've been focused on other things, uh, focused on myself obviously, but also focused on bringing experience to the team and value to the team, uh, else than just driving. So, um, so far, so good. It's just a very different situation than where I was in before, and uh, I enjoy it very much. So. Uh, that guy. We'll see what we can do here, I hope it's the unlocking moment
2: finally, you were talking earlier about just having a different role in the strategy of, of your race car program that you didn't really need to have at Team Penske. How has that changed for you?
3: Yes, it's uh, added some workload, but uh, workload that I enjoy. Um, studying the races a bit more uh, in terms of strategy, not in terms of, uh, I mean, I still do, but it's added the, the driving part, you add the strategy to it, and it's quite interesting. There's so many interesting to in- interesting things to IndyCar that starts from practice all the way back from practice and every decisions you make some practice for qualifying how many laps you're gonna run on each tires when uh, has a huge effect further into the weekend and uh, it's been fascinating to me to uh, realize all that and bring it to the team and um, suggest ideas and things we could do differently and process we could put in place uh, I've enjoyed it thoroughly so far uh, and then it's going to take some time to slightly show, and and I enjoy that. Thanks, Simon. Thank you.
1: Simon Pagino with Kurt from earlier today in the bullpen at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway in Juan Pablo Montoya. Before that, we get to the news of the day and uh, some other things we missed, including Roger Penske uh, sitting down with, uh, I'm guessing, Dave Calabro with WTHR, the NBC affiliate, Channel 13 in Indianapolis. Kurt's had a chance to see that, so we'll see what we learned, what was said out of that in a moment. Trackside, 93.5, 107.5, The Fan. Hi, this is David Malucas, and you're listening to Trackside. All right, I didn't have enough time to get the rest of the story. I'm multitasking here. What did Montoya say? Were the options, Kurt, about not doing the GP? So just tell well, me on told- the air, so we don't have to chat after the show's over.
2: <laughs> I know you're a busy guy. A lot of things. I got to do a lot of being, things going on. He's a manager, and he's a broadcaster, and who knows what other kind of gigs? Ticket he's got. broker. Ticket yeah. broker. Sweet. Uh, I don't have hoster. tickets. I need tickets. <laughs> So uh, he said he told him he didn't want to do it. He didn't want to run the road course race. And they said, well, that's fine. We're, we're going to expand to three cars next year. We've got a couple of guys we want to put in the car and, and test, uh, essentially test in the GMR Grand Prix. And he said, great. And um, he got the press release and it had his name for both races. And he called him. And, and, and Phil, who you know does the PR for the team, he said, well, what was that? And uh, Phil said, well, we figure if we put your name in then with, uh, the, with both races, you're committed. So that's how it went. He didn't know. He didn't know.
1: <laughs> well, I do remember when that was announced for the 500, it was kind of, it wasn't really highlighted, but I remember going through it and, and either on social media or somewhere else saying, hey, I think it said he's doing the GP as well. And yeah. that was never really highlighted
2: anywhere. Well, that's interesting. And, and what was funny is when I asked him at the outset about running the Grand Prix, and how difficult it was last year he went into this first answer and if you went back and listened to the podcast he talks about how difficult it was and about two-thirds of the way through his explanation I realized he was talking about the Indy 500 and I said yes but it was even worse than the Grand Prix and so that that's when he really got into how difficult the Grand Prix was for him and uh then I asked him why'd you sign up to do it and he said I didn't so uh that was interesting (laughs) (laughs)
1: That is interesting. Okay. Uh, Hey, you know what it's time for? The Indianapolis Speed Drum and Circle City Raceway News of the Day. Make plans to visit the Tom Wood Group Indianapolis Speed Drum. Powered by Lincoln Tech. Saturday night, the Speed Drum will again feature family-friendly racing action, great food, free parking, and outrageous fun. Topped off by Speed Drum's world-famous Wild and Unpredictable Figure 8 and the return of big wheel races for kids ages 5 and under. Adult tickets cost only $10. Kids 8 and under are free. Speedrome.com.
2: News of the day is? Well, we took it from Dave Calabro and, and Channel 13's interview with, with Roger Penske. It's 16 minutes. I'd encourage you to, to, to watch it. It's good throughout. There were three things that I thought were pretty interesting. One, he said, uh, uh, he said, my wife always says, what opportunity are you coming home with? And he said that the Speedway, the opportunity to buy the Speedway was just bigger than most (laughs) or bigger than normal, Mm -hmm. uh, which I thought was kind of funny. Uh, Dave did ask him a good question in the midst of – and I think this this one and the next one are really the news of the day. He asked him, you know, did you – would you have done something different had you known the pandemic was coming? Would you have still bought the Speedway? And he said, yes, even though even though I know what I know, I'd still do it again. He said, I actually had to be careful not to jump across the table when they suggested it because I had been thinking about it only for the last 25 years, meaning possibly owning the Speedway one day. He had been wow. thinking about it that long. Uh, so I thought that was interesting. The other thing was... A really good question, and one I've not heard anybody asking point blank, and then for him to give a point blank answer. Now, the question is is a good one. The answer I don't think is accurate, but I'm going to tell you what he said. Collaboro asked him, "What is a succession plan for you uh, and your companies?" And he said, "Well, we've got things lined up in all of our different companies. We've got boards, uh, so you know it's just who's going to be the chairman, and then." he realized that the question was specifically about the Speedway. And he said, obviously, it would be still the family to run. And this was interesting. He said, it's up to them to decide who's going to be the chairman. Now, I don't believe that because that's not the way Roger tends to run most of his businesses. He has somebody in place. But I did think it was interesting that that was his response. It's up to them to decide who's going to be the chairman. He said, I I would hope that... You know, Mark Miles would continue to be uh, kept as the uh, as a CEO of Penske Entertainment, but and obviously he likes the management of IndyCar and and IMS, but someone's going to be the chairman, and and he said it's up to them to decide. So my first thought was,
1: yeah, you're right. Roger has a plan, and he knows the plan. But on second thought, that could be totally accurate. That it's going to be you know maybe he has the person in mind maybe it's greg who is the penske son that we see most visible that i see often now uh, at the racetrack not just at indianapolis but at other races but he may want to let greg decide does greg really does he want to be the face and the ceo the guy actively in charge or would he rather be Yeah, maybe still someone in charge, but maybe someone else that is more the front facing person like a Mark Miles. And I don't know what that would be like, but that's got to be. I don't know that I'd want to have that conversation if I'm the son or the dad. Hey, what do you plan on doing when I'm not doing this anymore? And it may just be a basic. I trust you. Whatever you want to do, son,
2: I'm fine with. And you leave it at that. that, That could be very much part of it but I think they've had those conversations with probably every other business unit in the, in the family. Uh, but this one might be a different conversation and, mm-hmm. you know, maybe it's even, you know, maybe Bud Denker becomes the chairman of the, you know, of the board. So it, it's interesting. Correct. That would be I another name. It, yes. I think it would be either Greg Penske or Bud Denker. I think that's the, that's the list, but you know, he said, you know, this is, um, you know, from their perspective, as a family's perspective, we're here to help guide. And then he said, and fund, uh, you know, this this business unit. So interesting stuff. I'd encourage you to watch David's, uh, David's 16 minutes with Roger from Roger's office in the Speedway. And um, there's not a lot of earth sh- shattering things, but it's just still good to listen to Roger talk about things. He, he was asked about um, what his legacy should be. I'll leave that for the for the show, but uh, really good stuff.
1: Good. Uh, That's our news of the day at Indy's Dirt Track. Circle City Raceway at the Marion County Fairgrounds. Sprint cars dominate the month of May. And this Sunday, the 15th, Jonathan Bird's 410 Sprint Cars headline a full night of action along with Speed 2 Midgets, Outlaw Micros, and the Shirley Unlimited Snow Company UMP Modifieds making their season debut. And during Indy Race Week, USAC National Sprint Cars will be racing the 25th and 26th. CircleCityRaceway.com. Also, speaking of interviews, I had a chance to listen to the Dale Jr. Download podcast featuring Rick Mears. I've got a lot of things on my to-do list. I still have not listened to his interview with Robbie Wickens, which I I hear was fantastic. Fantastic. But the Mears interview was, as every Mears interview is, is enlightening. And, And in this case, it's often better for people. Now, Dale Jr. does a lot of good research, but they still don't know everything. And there were a few parts of things about Rick's life that we knew and they just probe and make him explain a little bit more, maybe more than somebody who is super familiar of his story on an Indy 500 show might not get into. So that was good to hear those things in Rick's words again. And what I also took from that is Dale jr. Leading up to the interview said, you know, I, I grew up a stock car guy. That's what I did. I went to the racetrack with my dad and NASCAR is all I knew. Daytona 500 is the biggest race in the world. And then I went to the Indy 500, and then I learned, and I'm paraphrasing, these are not the exact words, but this is the message. He basically is saying, and then I learned what the biggest race in the world is, and it is the Indy 500. It is bigger than the Daytona 500 and anything else. That's pretty high praise from one of the faces of NASCAR, and it's not... Uh, just because he works for NBC, because he works for NBC on the NASCAR side. It's just simply, hey, the Daytona 500 is 100,000 people. At one point, it was 150,000. The Indy 500 is a quarter million plus every year, and sometimes significantly more than that, and everything else around it. So uh, that's cool. And Dale Jr. will be part of our broadcast
2: again coming up on race day. Two things. Roger Penske said in the in the Channel 13 interview, attendance would be somewhere between 250 and 280. He put a cap at 280. We often say 300. He said 280. And look, I no one has surprised me more from what I thought about the individual to what I know about him now more so than Dale Jr. He he's an authentic, real guy, and I like I like him on so many levels. Uh, I asked Doug Bowles
1: today about tickets, and he said you can still find four together, and and in various and not just in. The North End, uh, there are still a few in the Tower Terrace, so there are still some seats you can get your groups together for that. So that's good. I apologize. I didn't get to the Twitter inbox. There were a few good questions today. We started rambling, so we'll try to do that by the end of tomorrow night's show as well. And we'll be recapping qualifying live tomorrow night at 7 o'clock. Uh, activity starts at 9.30 on Peacock. Qualifying on Peacock is 4 o'clock-ish, something like that. Indy Lights race on Peacock at 5.30 and so much more. For Kurt and Sam, I'm Kevin. Beyond the Bricks with Jake and Mike coming up next 9351075 the fan